What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pestuge. I'm your host. And today's episode is a bonus episode in which we're providing you with a recording of a keynote speech that I gave in May 2021 to a room full of about 50 commercial gym owners. These are big box gym owners. The gym I was at for perspective was 250,000 square feet. That's a big spot. One of the owners who was in attendance ended up bringing Active Life on to help them rebuild their personal training department. The average personal training department in the franchise that this person owns does about $12,500 a month in personal training. When we started with this club, their first month was about $17,000 in personal training. Less than six months later, they cleared $65,000 in personal training. All that we did was apply the tactics that I talk about in this keynote. If you work in a commercial gym or you know somebody who works in a commercial gym and wants to improve their personal training department, this episode is one they should listen to. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead to wherever you listen, leave us a five-star review and send me a screenshot of what you wrote. Send that screenshot to at Dr. Sean Pestuch on Instagram. I'm picking my favorite one every week and I'm going to pick that favorite review to get on a 15-minute coaching call absolutely free where we're going to work through some of the problems you're having in your business and solve them. Let's get you to the show. All right. That was a nice intro. Thank you, Bobby. So... I want to take you back to 2005. I was a personal trainer working at Equinox in Great Neck, New York. Anybody here familiar with Equinox as a club? Okay. For those of you who are not, for me, that was the moment where I felt like I made it. Like I got a job in the place that the stuff is clean. Like I don't have to clean the mirrors in this place. I don't have to, you know, deal with people who were trying to haggle me over price on the membership of the gym. Like I just get to train. I made it. This is amazing. When you become a trainer at Equinox, what they do is they tell you, here's your floor shift. So you're going to work 5.30 in the morning on Monday until 8 o'clock. And then maybe 9 o'clock until 12 on Tuesday and then and so on and so forth. So you hit a variety of shifts on the floor in the gym over the course of your week. The idea is over that week, you are able to meet a wide array of people and fill your schedule with prospecting. Have you seen something like this in your gyms? Nobody. Okay. So what usually happens when that goes on in the gym is many of the trainers will end up finding themselves right here, waiting for the next member profile of the person who's going to join the gym, that they're able to make a quick and easy, hey, I saw you join the gym today. Want to know if you're interested in personal training. Does that work for you? Okay. I'll, I'm not going to go do that, but I, okay, I got it and they don't get clients. It took the average trainer at Equinox six months to get to full-time. Full-time for them is 21 paid personal training sessions in a week, 42 in a pay period, which is two consecutive weeks. I got there in five weeks. And in the next three months, I became the top 1% revenue earner for Equinox in their entire industry. And the way that I did that was not by trying to sell to everybody. It was not by trying to figure out how I can get the next person who joins the gym to buy from me. I didn't even have any sales skills. So forget about being able to do that. At the time, they were selling six, 12, 24, and 48 packs. And I would only sell the sixes because I was selling myself. 
you know, I w- Rich, I know that you're interested in buying some sessions. Would you, would you start with six? Rich would have bought 48 if I would ask him to buy 48, but I asked him to buy six because I was afraid. Okay? And still got to be top 1% trainer in their entire club worldwide. What that led me to realizing was that the reason I got to be full-time so fast is I made friends with everybody in the gym. I knew everyone on the ellipticals. I knew their name. I knew if they had kids. I knew if they had a dog. I knew what they were training for. I knew people in the yoga room. There were no trainers in the yoga room. But I would go in there and ask the yoga instructor if I could provide a spot to make her class even better. I knew everybody in group fitness. Because while the HIIT classes were going on, I would walk in there and provide support. I asked my manager, his name was Joshua Harrison, Joshua Henry Harrison, he still works at Equinox, he's in their executive team now. I said, I'm not gonna get to full time at the pace I wanna be full time if I follow these floor shifts. Is it okay with you if I come in during the times that I want to see clients and work for free? I had to sign a document that said, this is my own choice, it's not slave labor. That's a real thing, okay, I had to do that. I did that, and then I would come into the gym during the times I wanted to see clients all the time. I was telling Doug earlier, I would go into the gym before my shift and scatter a mess around the gym so that I could walk over and say, hey, Phil, I just, before I put this dumbbell away, is it yours? Okay, cool, got it, I'm gonna handle that. And everybody in the gym got to know me as the guy who would clean up after other people who weren't willing to do it for themselves. Not bad, right? When I was done with that, I would head over to the towels, throw a stack on my right shoulder, stack on my left shoulder, and walk over to everybody on all of the ellipticals. Would you like a towel? No, okay, well, my name is Sean. If you'd like one, find me. I'm happy to hand one to you. I would find any reason to start conversation with anybody in the gym. Why? How many of you feel uncomfortable calling a friend to ask for a simple favor that you know they can do and would like to do? Raise your hand if that makes you uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Okay. Raise your hand if you would feel comfortable calling on a stranger in this room to do you that same favor. Make friends. Make friends. It's easier to walk up to Jen and say, hey, Jen, I remember last time we talked, you told me that your three-year-old only liked wearing skull and crossbones clothing, and that was making you uncomfortable. Remember, you buy him the clothes, by the way. He's three. But how's that going for you? Oh, it's great. Awesome. What are you doing with your workout today? I'm going to be doing this, this, and this. Great. If you need any help, I'm happy to provide it to you. Eventually, Jen asks for help. It's not a game of how many sales conversations can you have. It's a game of how many conversations can you have. Those conversations with the clients I was working with would lead me upstairs to the physical therapy department at the Equinox. Physical therapy upstairs. The reason I would go up there is because most of the clients I was working with were not the clients everybody else wanted to work with. Everybody else wanted the people who were chasing abs, ass, and ego. I want to look really good in a bikini. What's your goal? My daughter's getting married in six months. I got to look good in a dress. What's your goal? Summer's coming. I want to take my shirt off at the beach. All those things are totally reasonable. I just found them uninteresting. So I was looking for the people who, in the gym, Felt a little bit like misfits. They weren't really sure what they were supposed to do. They were checking the box on their day. They would hide in the corner, not really sure what to do. Some of them would come in, go right to the elevator to the third floor, and never even hit the gym floor. 
A lot of gyms have weights on one floor, cardio equipment on the other. Any of you know gyms like that? Okay. Likely, you have two totally separate memberships in those gyms. The people who want to be on the cardio equipment and the people who want to be on the weight floor, which makes your marketing a little bit more difficult because you've got to market to two different populations well. I wanted to bring those together. I would bring these people to physical therapy because over and over and over again, they would tell me I would love to do that. But I have this shoulder thing. I have this back pain. I have this knee issue that I've had since high school football. Right? I heard it so often, I would go up to physical therapy and I would ask Dr. Kate, Kathy, what do I do with this person? Kind of got to work around that. That's something they got to learn to, to deal with. Okay. Is it a physical therapy client? I'm happy to refer them to you. No, they're beyond physical therapy. Like they're, they're okay, they're functional. It's, they're just getting a little bit old. They gotta learn how to live that life. Okay, bring somebody else up. Hey, this guy says he has knee injury from high school football. He's 62 years old. He did physical therapy, he had the surgery, and he's struggling to use the gym the way he would like to. What advice can you give me about helping this guy? That guy's name was George. He was a urologist, an acclaimed urologist, traveled the country lecturing. Uh, try to avoid anything that causes him pain. <clears throat> okay. I got so frustrated by that, that, despite the fact that I was the top trainer in the entire club, despite the fact that they took me to their e-club in Manhattan, which is where you need a retinal scan to get in, and the celebrities come to train, Despite the fact that they offered me a job there, a management job at the gym I was at, or any gym I wanted on Long Island, they said, I'm out. This training thing sucks. I hate it. I hate feeling like the ability I have to serve people is limited by this ceiling. And then when I go to people who are supposed to have the education to help me serve these people, they tell me to figure out how to work around it. Now, I also want to be clear. I understand. These are generalizations of two industries. The healthcare industry, and the fitness industry. There are exceptions to every rule. These are the generals, however. So I went to chiropractic school to learn how to save the world. That was the thing, I was, I was gonna save the world. I'm, I'm the guy. And I graduated and had no idea what to do. I'm gonna fast forward for you a little bit. Towards the end of my chiropractic career, I got tired of hearing from patients, how much is it gonna cost? How long do I need to come? Those two questions really mean, I'd rather not pay for this, when can I stop? And you would get patients who came in, they were really sad, kind of down on their, on their life a little bit because they're hurting. You get them better, they're like, this is great, thank you so much, never see them again. I didn't like that either. And I had patients flying in to see me in my clinic. Barbados, Brazil, Nevada, I'm in New York by the way, Australia, Finland, the guy from Finland's name was Johan. He called himself the refrigerator because he said that was his mobility. About as mobile as a refrigerator. And it just, it, I told my father one day, I kind of feel like I'm driving a Ferrari at the bottom of a lake. Like I got all this zhuzh and no road to put it on. So I left that life. And I wanted to start helping trainers and coaches and doctors to bridge the gap between the two worlds. Because I believe that there is a legitimate cleavage coming to the fitness industry. That cleavage is going to look like this. 
Cleavage is when two things split, by the way. It means more than one thing. Okay? For those of you guys with your mind in the gutter. So, there is fitness entertainment, and there is fitness coaching. I believe both are valuable. I want to teach trainers how to be the solution to all of the problems that fitness entertainment cannot solve. When Peloton announces that they have 50 million users, I want your trainers to say, hell yeah, let's get it, they're coming my way next. When the gym opens up down the block, I want you to be able to say the CrossFit gym, the Orange Theory, the Fit Body Bootcamp, whatever opens up down the block, I want you to say, yes, more people for our trainers eventually. Okay? Fitness entertainment, to put it in your head, is an hour a day that people spend to escape the other 23 in pursuit of a general goal in a general way that they may not even be able to explain themselves. Why do you come to this group class? Oh, you know, I just want to be fitter. Okay. What is fitter? Uh, look better in a bathing suit, move around better. How will you know if you look better in a bathing suit? How will you know if you're moving around better? I, I, I guess I'll just know. That doesn't, that doesn't sell. That's not exciting for the future, not to me at least. Fitness coaching needs to be, in my opinion, and can be and is right now in many places. What is the problem that you're having? Why haven't you been able to solve it? How can I help you? When I'm done talking at you, I'm also going to talk with you. I want to make sure that I'm bringing you into this conversation today. By the time we're done, I will have shown you six questions that you can help the trainers in your gym ask every single member so that they never feel pushy or sleazy when it comes to making sales to members. I'm also going to show you how very, very, very simple movement assessment that you don't need to be a physical therapist or a chiropractor or an orthopedist, who, by the way, we need and want to collaborate with. You don't need to have that degree to do these things. Okay? So, I want to tell you another story. 2018, early on, the way that our company worked was people would book a call with me to see if somebody on our team at Active Life can work with them one-on-one -on -one to help them get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym from anywhere in the world. That's what evolves when people start flying out for visits and then you don't see them three times a week because they live in Finland, right? They would get on my schedule, I would get on a call, I would qualify them. There are two things I was looking for. Can we help this person? Do we want to? Not everybody who you can help is someone who you should help. And not everybody who you want to help is someone who you can't help. The way we look at sales is if I had one more spot, just one spot left for one person to work with me, is this the one I would want it to be? You're not trying to get somebody to agree to work with you. You are deciding if you want to work with this person every single time. That's how we avoid what's called commission breath. Have you guys ever smelled commission breath through a phone? at a car dealership, you're gonna love this car, it goes zero to 16 a week. Not what I'm looking for, okay? So, Brittany's on my schedule. Talk to Brittany, 
she's experiencing shoulder pain, and doctors have told her that they think she needs to get surgery. Now, mind you, what we do at Active Life for our one-on-one -on -one clients remotely is not a medical service. We can't diagnose, we can't treat, and we don't pretend to. So she says to me, do you think you can help? I ask her a bunch of questions that qualify her in or out, and I said, you know what, I think we can. Based on what you're describing, I don't think that there's any reason why you can't try this. Similar to a conversation that might happen on the floor in a gym. Great, I need to talk to my husband and I'll get back to you. Who's heard that before? Yeah, that was my first time. It wasn't my first time, but I've learned how to get over that now. It, she didn't sign up. A year later, Brittany's back on my schedule. Yes, I had surgery number one and surgery number two. And the doctors told me, or excuse me, I had surgery number one. The doctors told me I need surgery number two. Do you think you can help me? No. Unfortunately, I don't. At this point, you're no longer in the scope of what we do as coaches to help you. Okay. Six months later, Brittany's back on my schedule. Hmm. Surprising. Pick up the phone, and as she would describe it, she would use these words, not me, okay? So I'm not, you can't be mad at me for this. She was ugly crying the moment I said hello. Ugly crying. What that means, if you can't picture it, hysterical. I had surgery number one, surgery number two. Started getting better for about two, three weeks, and then I went to cook something, felt a pop, and I'm right back to square one. I've gained 40 pounds, can't cook, can't wash my hair, can't put my deodorant on, not having sex with my husband anymore. When I see a woman put her hair up, all I want to do is kick her in the back because I can't do it. I haven't worn anything except for sweatpants for the last six months. Can you help me? Whew. I don't know. I really don't know. So we talk a little bit. I explained to her, the doctors told her she wanted to do surgery number three and surgery number four. And if those didn't work, she was gonna need a shoulder replacement. This is a woman in her young 30s. Okay, travels around the world to help fish markets organize their logistics. She is a high performer. Can't do that. I said, you know what, honestly, I don't know if we can help you or not. And I think it's worth a try to find out. What do you think? She says, yes. Not just like that. It was an hour of her crying and telling me all the reasons why this was scary and why she couldn't do it. Then she said, yes. I told her when she signed up, we have a lot of physical therapists and chiropractors who function as coaches on our team. That should give you some peace of mind. She says, yes. I said, I'm not going to assign you to one of them. She said, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to assign you to somebody on our team with absolutely no medical training. She's like, what? I processed the credit card first, then I told her these things, okay? I said, the reason why I wanna do this is because I believe that the medical model, the healthcare industry, has already made decisions about how we help people like you with problems like what you're dealing with. And the personal trainers of the world, the coaches of the world, have never even considered it. They have enough naivety to treat you differently then maybe somebody with a lot more training would. And since you are up against another surgery or not, but no gain, no improvement, it seems to me like your worst case scenario is another surgery. 
said, yeah. Signs up. I tell the coach, Larry, who's going to be working with her. Got a great client for you. This, 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 this. And he's like, shouldn't this go to one of the doctors on the team? I said, nope. It's coming to you. There was an interesting face he made when I told him that. And Brittany, six months later, was out of shoulder pain. Now, she's on her third year of working with us as a one-on-one -on -one client. She said it's in her budget. It hits every year. No questions asked. She can't live without it, doesn't want to. She's been out of pain for two and a half years. Okay? Why is that important? It's important because I don't believe that our coaches at our company are unique. Not in their potential. Their training is unique, but their potential is not. We've done this with trainers and coaches from around the world over and over and over again who understand that the gap between fitness entertainment and fitness coaching is meaningful, measurable progress from human to human. Human to human. What I want to be able to do is demonstrate to you right now as a room how simple it is for a trainer in a gym to be able to start to identify the things that previously perhaps they thought were reserved only for physical therapists and orthopedists that they couldn't tell a client about because they didn't know. So we're going to do something as a group that we do at our seminars when we travel around the world. When we traveled around the world. Something happened last year. We're going to do it together. So I'm going to ask you all to stand up. What I want you to imagine right now as we do this is a trainer in your gym running a seminar for your members. Would you like to learn how to finally work out again without the aches and pains that you've been dealing with for years? That's what the seminar can be called. You can give it your own fancy name. Okay? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to identify a few different body parts. Everybody, please take your hands, put them on your low back. That's your back. Okay? Everybody take your hands, put them on your butt, your own butt. That's your butt. Sorry, Phil. Okay, everybody take your hands, put them on your hamstrings. Back here, this is your hamstrings. We're going to take the palm of our hand and put it behind our knee. The bottom of our index finger is the end of the hamstring. Below that is going to be considered your calf. Everybody understand? Great. What I'd like you to do is stand back up. Everybody please point to your butt. Good. Seems silly. Ask people who've never done this before, where are your quads? They're like, here? Okay. So where are your hamstrings? Where's your calf? Outstanding. Great. All we're going to do is a very simple test. Okay. We're going to do a test that we call standing lumbopelvic flexion. You can call it floor touch test, toe touch test, stand and reach, Bertha, call it whatever you want. I don't care. All we're going to do is, when I cue you to, we're going to reach down as far as you comfortably can with your knees extended, when I cue you to. You're going to stand up when you hear the appropriate cue for you. Seem reasonable? All right. So make sure you're not going to bang your head on a table as you reach down. What I want everybody to do, with your legs fully extended, reach down as far as you comfortably can. Stand up when you hear the appropriate cue, please. You can do it, Phil. You can do it, Rich. All right. Please stand up if you're experiencing any pain or discomfort at all. Okay. Please stand up if you are not touching the floor. Great. 
Please stand up if you are feeling a stretch, discomfort, or anything in your calves. Please stand up if you are feeling a stretch, discomfort, or anything in your low back. If you are still reaching down to the floor, it should mean you are only feeling the floor on your fingers and stretching your hamstrings or nothing at all. Please stand up. Great. We just segmented the room into five different categories of people. One of you, I believe you reached out, you stood up when you touched your calf, yes? Yes. Okay. So anybody in this room comfortable with their anatomy? You guys can sit down, by the way. Thank you. Anybody here really comfortable with their anatomy? I won't make you feel bad, I promise. You? Okay. So, Phil, what is your name, ma'am? Uh, Lisa. Lisa? Yeah. Okay. Lisa felt a stretch in her calf when she reached down to the ground. What muscle is running from her hip down to her calf? Hip from her calf? Yeah. So sartorius is going to end hip to the medial knee. It's not going to go all the way into the back of the calf. What else we got? Well, you got a hamstring. Hamstring? Okay, so hamstring, right? Where does hamstring start? Hamstring will start uh, about my insertion point in my glute. Yep, and then it inserts right on the back of the knee, right? So there's no muscle there. Perfect. Thank, thank you. There's no muscle there. So what could there be there? What did Lisa just feel? All she did was stand up and do this. Why did she feel something in her calf if it's not a muscle? What did she feel? Anybody? Did you say that? You said that? That's cheating. She did. Oh, okay. Who said nerve? Oh, perfect. You did. I don't know who you are. I can't find you. But someone said nerve. That's exactly right. Okay? Has anybody ever met somebody or known somebody who gets low back pain when they do repeated bouts of down and up when they lift a weight off of the floor? They've tried all different kinds of things. Strengthen your core. Maybe stretch out your hamstrings. And it doesn't work. There's nerve tension somewhere in Lisa's system. Is the trainer going to change nerve tension? Maybe, maybe not. Certainly not by putting their hands on her. However, what a trainer can do is say, let's see how far down, Lisa, you can reach before you start to experience that symptom. Now, every time you pull something off of the ground, we're actually going to set up a height at which you can do that without experiencing any discomfort. Does that seem good? Great. Imagine your trainer showing that to everybody in your gym. Now imagine your trainer walking over to somebody on the floor who just finished doing shoulder press, and they're like, <clears throat> and doing a similar thing with their shoulder. Is that trainer gaining trust from that person, that member? Is that trainer more or less likely to be able to help that person buy training sessions to work with them? More, right? I'm, I'm, I'm saying it for you. The answer is more, okay? When somebody is looking to buy training sessions, because at the end of the day, I understand, we all want to have better culture. We want people to walk out of the bathroom that they walked into, that somebody else dripped pee on the seat, and they cleaned it anyway because they didn't want the person who walked in after them to think it was their pee, right? That's the culture we all want. That's the culture I want. So we want that. It needs to turn into revenue, too. Because if we have great culture and we have great trainers who really mean well and do a really good job, who don't make any money, they're out of a job. And we're out of a gym. Yes? Okay. Sam, raise your hand please, Sam. Sam is one of the first trainers that we worked with back in what, was that 18? 19. Okay. So it wasn't one of the first trainers. One of the first trainers who stood out to me. So in 2019, we started working with Sam. We taught her these movement screens and Corrective exercises that were effective for her job description. 
her job description. The first month we worked with her, I believe she made about $800 as a trainer, working full-time as a teacher so that she could have income in both places. The fifth month we worked with her, Sam made about $8,000. Is that about right? Fourth month. Got it. I don't like to stretch it. Right? So fourth month, about $8,000. Why? Why? The reason is people don't buy. People don't buy, A, from strangers, and B, when they don't perceive that they have a problem, and D, most certainly, when they don't perceive the person selling them can solve said problem. Does that make sense? Now, what you may or may not know about the trainers who work in your gyms is they are completely unsure, oftentimes, if they can solve the problems that they are trying to sell people to buy. I want to say that again. The trainers in your gyms are unsure if they can solve the problems that they are asking people to buy. It's nice to live in a world where we believe that NASM, ASCM, name your favorite certification, ISSA, right? That they gave them the education to be able to solve these problems. And they started. They started giving them the, the education. Phil, how long did you train clients? Were you the same trainer the first day as you were the 40th year? Okay. Most of the education the trainers need to gain is in communication. It's in marketing themselves within the gym. It's within selling themselves. And that education is only as good as their belief in their ability to execute on what they promise somebody when they sell it to them. Because when you ask a trainer, why did you get into this field? How many of them would raise their hand and say, I just wanted to get loaded, dude? No. I want to change people's lives. I want to help people live better lives. And if they haven't been taught the value of how to market themselves in the gym, how to sell themselves in the gym, how to solve specific problems in specific ways that they are extremely confident that they can solve, and know how to tell somebody, I'm actually not sure I can sell this, solve this for you, but I think it would be worth a try. Do you want to try it? If they're not taught how to do that, they won't sell. Outside of bartenders and waiters, highest churn industry is trainers. It costs an employer about 1.5x the annual salary of an employee to replace them. It costs much less than that to invest in them and to ask them to invest in themselves. I'm not selling you anything. I have nothing to sell. What I want to teach you now is six questions that we teach trainers to ask their clients or their prospects, people walking around in the gym, that afford them the opportunity to never have to feel sleazy or pushy or be sleazy or be pushy to get somebody to buy something that they need to buy. These you should write down. Question number one. Is that true? Is that true? When we say is that true, it's a placeholder for, I think I saw something. Can you confirm that I saw what I think I saw? 
I think you said something. Can you confirm that you said what I think you said? So, for example, Rich, why'd you come to the gym today? Got it. So, Rich, you came to the gym today because your low back's been bothering you. Is that true? Yeah. Great. Seems weird. Like, why would I repeat exactly what he said? How many of you have people who you talk to all the time and you're like, do you listen to anything I say? <laughs> yeah. People like hearing their mouth come out of your mouth. Repeat what they said. That's true. Yes. Great. Rich, how long has that been a problem? That's question number two. How long has that been a problem for you? A month. Okay. A month. Repeat it. Let them know you heard it again. Question number three. Rich, what have you tried? Uh, well, I hate to stretch, but I've tried some, some stretching. Um, I've used, uh, tried to do a model or I've had some massages. Okay. Rich, you know who likes to stretch? I hate you know who likes to stretch though? Flexible people. <laughs> so, so let them know. Right? Okay, good. So you, so you, were, trying, you were trying to stretch. Rich, wh why do you think that's not working for you? I that's question number four. Why do you think, yes? Can you repeat question number three is what have you tried? Question number one, is that true? Question number two, how long? Question number three, what have you tried? And this is the same for I want to lose weight around my midsection. My knee hurts. I want to fit into a dress. You've always wanted to fit into a dress. Now you just have a reason to do it on a date. So question number four, why do you think that's not working? When you ask question number four, why do you think that's not working? What you are doing is helping them acknowledge that what they're doing isn't working. If somebody had a headache and they were banging their head against the wall to get rid of it, they would be very happy to have you come over and say, why do you think that's not working? Let's do something different. Okay? Now, question number five. They're going to tell you it's not working because this, 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 this. I'm not consistent. I don't have a routine. I haven't been doing it long enough. I don't know. Question number five. This is a very important one. Rich, would you say that this is a priority for you to fix or... Is it a whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing? I'd say it's kind of number two, really. Great. Say it just like that. Is it a priority or is it a whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing? Rich just told me it's number two. It's a whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing. Correct? Correct. Sail over. Rich doesn't want it. I'm not going to try to sell him something he doesn't want. We have one rule of sales at Active Life. All of our staff follow this rule. Only sell to people in the market for what you have. And always sell to people in the market for what you have. You give somebody that binary choice. Is it a priority or whenever it happens, it happens kind of thing. And they will tell you, I'm in the market or I'm not. Sixth question. Assuming that Rich said yes, because if he said no, I'm not, I'm not a priority, I'm like, great, listen, Rich, I see you around here all the time. If it ever changes for you and it does become a priority, I'd love to talk to you about it. Would it be cool if I check in a month or a month or so from now? Sure. Great. I'm going to stay on top of Mitch. Sales happens in follow-up. Okay? Now, Rich, question number six, if he said yes. Okay, so it's a priority. If I made some time in my schedule... Would you like to sit down 
and see if I can help you with this. If I, would you like to? For those of you who train training departments, you want to know which of your coaches are ready and which of them are not? Have them ask this question to people and watch them. The trainers who say, if I made some time, would you be willing to stop? They're not ready. They're still viewing this person working with them as a favor to them, not as a service to the client. Would you like to? Would you be willing to? Everybody see the difference? Right, what is your name? Brian. Brian. Brian, I got tickets to the game. It's your favorite team. Would you like to go? Yeah. Great. Brian, I have tickets to the game. It's your favorite team. Would you be willing to come with me? Maybe. <laughs> right? What's in it for you? Why, why are you asking me if I'm willing to come? Do I have to carry the cooler or something? <laughs> Follow? The language that your staff speak will tell you what's going on in their head and in their heart. I believe that the healthcare clinics of the future are the gyms. If we learn nothing in the last year, we learn that the healthcare clinic of the future needs to be the gym. If the gym is a healthcare clinic, then the providers inside of it are the trainers. So the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym, and the healthcare provider of the future is the trainer, then all that's left is making sure that your members know this is a healthcare clinic and that is a healthcare provider. And making sure that that healthcare provider can deliver on the way that they speak, on the way that they treat each other, on the way that they sell, on the way that they prospect, on the way that they dress, on the way that they smell, on the way that they groom. One more little nugget. I believe there are four things that everybody needs to do if they want to gain trust from others on purpose. Back in 2016, I was struggling my face off. I was running a business, three businesses, working 16 hours a day, making about $25,000 a year as a doctor who owned a gym, who had an event that put 1,200 people in it each time I did it. Couldn't figure out why I wasn't making any money. My wife was pregnant. She says to me, she's the best support system I have in the world. She says to me, I don't want to raise this kid alone. She was pregnant, due in three months. I remember where we were. We were walking northbound on Laurelton Boulevard. There was a white picket fence on the right side and the beach behind us. Okay. I decided to hire a coach to teach me how to make money, how to be a man, really, because the truth is money was just a stand-in for I don't feel like the man of the house, okay? Hire this coach. I expect this guy makes all this money. He's going to come in and tell me, here's how you prospect a lead. Here's how you sell them. Here's what you charge them, all these things. His first lesson for me, by the way, I paid him $1,000 a month, met with me for two hours a month. I was making 25 to 30 a year. Can't really justify that. Says to me, if you want to be better at business, you need to become a better person. I'm like, me? I'm great. I treat everybody exactly the way I want to be treated. And he says to me, exactly, but you're a fucking psycho. 
and nobody wants to be treated the way that you do. So that's interesting. How should I treat people? He said the way that they want to be treated. So there are four things that he then taught me that I need to be able to do to earn people's trust on purpose. Because I was trying to do it by accident, by just leading the way that I would want people to treat me. And it wasn't working. Number one, I needed to have propriety. I mean, they need to look the part, smell the part, groom the part, show up on time, clean someone else's piss off the toilet seat when I leave the bathroom. If I was a lawyer representing you in court for a big case and I showed up in a Hawaiian shirt, you'd be like, get out. We need to look appropriate. Number two, we need to find commonality with people. What do you have in common with the person in your business who you have the least in common with? Talk about that. Make a friend. Maybe they're 30 years older than you or younger than you. Do you match up with their kids? Do they match up with your kids? Do you like the same music? Do you hate the same music? Are you both blown away that we're still wearing masks right now in public even though we have vaccinations and all this kind of stuff? Find something that you agree on that you want to talk about that you guys can say, this person might be able to walk in my shoes. Number three, demonstrate credibility. Demonstrating credibility means speaking in terms that others can understand. That make it easier for them to step into your world. Any of you ever had a plumber come to the house to clean a clog? Nobody? Okay, good, yeah, right? If they were like, all right, so here's the deal, Phil. I went through your main pipe and I squirreled around and I found a little elbow here and in the elbow, the pipe actually got, you'd be like, dude, are you gonna get the crap off the lawn or what? Right, you don't care. Just tell me what I need to know. That's credible. Hey, I found a problem in your pipe. There's a break. I already fixed it. It's going to last you this long. I'll be back in two months to make a permanent correction. And you'll be good to go. Awesome. Totally credible. Okay? Number four. Number four and most important and the hardest to do. Constantly, aggressively demonstrate your intent is in their best interests. The number one thing that gets lost in communication is intent. Okay? This is where you do somebody a favor without them asking, and they say, why did you do that? Like, I, I thought, I thought, like, I, I just tried, I, and they're like, well, I didn't want you to. And you're like, okay, gosh, geez, I'll never help you again, I'm sorry. Right? Intent was misunderstood. Demonstrate intent on purpose. You can lose somebody's trust by violating any one of those four categories. When I learned this, I immediately went on a two-year-long apology tour, calling people with whom relationships I had damaged accidentally, through no intent. I started with my wife. I'm sorry I haven't been wearing a wedding ring. I didn't think it was important. I love you, I would never cheat on you, you're the most beautiful woman in the world, everything about you is great. But for her, this says, this guy loves me, this guy trusts me, this guy's willing to tell other people he's off limits, 
That means a lot. She cried. I bought a wedding ring and she cried. I'm like, this is crazy. This is amazing. I can do this. And I kept on going until I finally called my ex-business partner, who I felt had burned me and then intentionally tried to ruin my business that I had bought him out from to apologize for any role I played in the end of our relationship. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, I know I could have been a better friend and I could have been a better partner, and I just wanted to apologize. He says to me, well, I don't forgive you. I'm like, okay. But, like, I wasn't looking for forgiveness or friendship. The point is, having conversations like that over and over and over again helps you understand that it's never really about you. And in some way, it's always your fault, your responsibility, and your opportunity to fix it. And if we can do that with our friends, our family, we can certainly do that to acquire clients in the gym. What questions do you have? I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Fund Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there.